Hello and welcome to Weave Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hey Bobby, excited to be doing this one again. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about Don't Starve slash Don't Starve Together. And there's not really spoilers ahead unless you want to kind of figure stuff out on your own in which case spoilers ahead (laughs) yeah so don't starve it's an indie survival game that was developed by a canadian company named clay entertainment and as much as it pains me it is pronounced clay and i always want to pronounce it cly but because it's spelled k-l-e-i but from what I found, it's pronounced clay. So I'm not going to hang up on that too long or else I can go on a rant. <laughs> I, I thought it was clay too. It's probably just because I took like a couple years of German. So when I see EI, it's just yeah. something I want to say. But whatever, it's clay. <laughs> so this game was officially released on April 23rd of 2013. But... The game actually started development in 2010 for a 48-hour um, game jam contest. After the contest, they put the game kind of on the back burner for a few years before picking it back up and beginning full development. The game was strictly meant to be a single-player game, and it was a single-player game for the first year to solidify the idea of loneliness and survival. They had no intention of bringing it to multiplayer, mainly because of the concept behind the game. You're not supposed to be with people, because that kind of breaks the feeling of this aloneness of the game. But, due to popular demand, they eventually listened to the players of the game and decided to start developing multiplayer which was officially released on April 21st of 2016. Since Don't Starve's initial release, they've had many updates, a few DLCs here and there, and they've been able even to release the game for mobile devices, PS4, Xbox, and the Nintendo Switch, which I did not know. But they've definitely expanded since their conception in 2010 and release in 2013 which I think is great, because this is a really fun game, and I highly recommend it to everyone. Definitely a learning curve, though. I actually didn't know it was on the Switch, either. I had to look that up. I'm like, is that real? Like, <laughs> I knew yeah. like I knew it was on the phone, but I guess if it's on the phone, the Switch should be able to easily play it then. Right. And then, for Don't Starve, the, the story, or I guess not kind of the story or the game takes place in a world called the constant the constant is an open world that is full of animals plants resources creatures monsters and just a whole lot more there's roughly 20 different biomes with 35 different animals or more than 35 different animals as to say and like 50 plus monsters in the world that have that make you have many ways to survive and also countless ways to die. And as kind of stated before, you can either play alone or you can play with friends, but there's ultimately one goal. Don't starve. 
Yeah. So, like, I just this game is. I don't understand how it's such a good game because all you're doing is trying to not die. Don't starve. Oh this, gosh, it's just so frustrating. This just reminded me. I actually have. I still have the video on my YouTube channel. The whole don't when we were playing don't starve together and you were like oh my god i'm starving and i'm like it's okay and you're like why because i'm like it's okay if you die because as long as we don't starve together we'll be fine (laughs) yeah seriously i mean that's very true because as long as you don't starve together you will survive because you have options to bring people back to life in multiplayer so that is true you weren't wrong Despite you but just being just... a sarcastic asshole. <laughs> it was just so funny. Because <laughs> I gotta rewatch that. Because I, I was like, I was trying to, like, I sounded helpful. And then I'm like, it's okay. You can die as long as I don't. Because as long as we don't start together, we're fine. Ah, <laughs> oh, such an ass. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, the inspiration for this game it was stated that Minecraft was a huge inspiration for the development of Don't Starve. It has a very similar concept with the open world randomly generated scenarios, or not necessarily scenarios, randomly generated map and biomes. Specifically, that exploration aspect of the game was um, drawn from Minecraft. But the main focus was to kind of innovate in terms of gameplay and aesthetics, which I think they did really well on. Just with the whole uniqueness of the game. Another inspiration was the Nintendo DS game, Lost. In, oh, actually, sorry. It's um called Lost in Blue, which has supernatural elements in the game, including a day and night cycle. But unfortunately, I've never played this game, so I can't really attest to the accuracy or similarities of this inspiration. So if any of you listeners have played Lost in Blue and don't starve and you're able to let me know or let us know the similarities and if it actually um holds up well i would really appreciate uh hearing that from you we want it in essay format double space mla (laughs) cited (laughs) work cited page yeah you just pulled that one out of your ass (laughs) (laughs) god i haven't heard mla format in a long time no what no college class i've ever went to cared about apa or mla format i just have to say that like high school made it such a big deal you're gonna do this in college none of my college professors cared they're just like yeah just make sure you cite your shit i don't think i've ever had to do that besides high school it's it was stupid (laughs) maybe in like the more prestigious schools but my school is not prestigious so maybe if you're going to like law school or something yeah like a ivy league but anyway, off topic again. In terms of aesthetics of this game, it is most notable and talked about. It's the most notable and talked about part of the game because it's just a very unique art style. The environment and theme of the game is heavily influenced by Tim Burton, which is easy to see why. If you just look it up or you've played this game, it just reminds you of a Tim Burton-y game. Like, I don't know. It's just... That's the best way to describe it is it's Tim Burton-esque. They're, they were able to create a gorgeous world filled with animals and monsters, all with this design to it. And it's probably one of the most important aspects of the game because without this, I feel like the game would play much more different because you don't have that eerie vibe following you around. Even the music is very eerie. 
And without those, it would just – I feel like it would just feel different. And they, they did this really well. It would definitely feel different from it, judging by – just from playing it and having to experience, like, the eeriness and everything. And it's funny you mentioned that because when I was talking to one of my friends about doing this podcast, they'd never heard of Don't Starve. And – I didn't, before reading this, I actually didn't realize it was actually influenced by Minecraft. And I straight up told them, I'm like, think of Minecraft, but Tim Burton. And at first they were like a little confused because they're like, Minecraft, but Tim Burton. And I just showed them the cover art of Don't Stop and it just like clicked in their head. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, and they like instantly knew what I was talking about. So being the Tim Burton-esque design to it, I feel it's a major part of the game. Yeah. And it's, it's so beautiful. Like, I don't know many games that are just, like, this captivating in design. And, I and it's not it. even, like, high... Like, I'm not saying it's not high quality, but it's not, like, 3D yeah, polymorphic character yeah. design and all this stuff. For sure. It's... Actually, it's, like, strictly... a basically a two-dimensional game in terms of everything that's sitting on the world surface is two-dimensional and then the world itself is 3d kind of especially the water yeah the water is <laughs> yeah, very, very 2d 2d yeah <laughs> i but. love i just love I, it's just always it's funny to me when i like see all this like the world and how it looks and then you get to the water <laughs> And, and it looks actually, like one of those puppet show waters. Mm -hmm. Actually, in the newest update, they changed the water because of you have the ability to craft boats and stuff. So they had originally the land was a little bit higher than the water, like a cliff. But now it comes flush with the water and the water is flat and you can put boats on it and sail sail across and stuff. So the water actually has changed recently. Huh. So you don't get that puppet master water type stuff. <laughs> Getting a little ahead of ourselves, but... So Don't Starve is a game primarily focused on its survival, as we kind of been talking about it. The player character wakes up in a randomly generated world and is greeted by a tall, ominous man wearing a suit. His name is Maxwell. From the small amount of clues that are given... We can infer that this man is the, like, ruler or king of this world, or kind of even, like, a god of it, as far as I know. After waking Maxwell up, he gives us a bit of a short dialogue, and then just kind of disappears and leaving you to fend for yourself. That's kind of the whole backstory behind this, and as we mentioned earlier, the game is known for a few things. One, the Tim Burton-esque design, the unique music and sound effects that help bring this eerie feel and really emphasize the loneliness and survival of the game, and also the lack of the tutorial or instructions. There's really nothing that tells you like, oh, this is how you do this. This is how you build this. It's more of a trial and error that like you either die or you <laughs> learn to adapt to this world which i think helps make it a bit more enjoyable especially nowadays where tutorials will 
tell you like everything and leave nothing for you to kind of discover on your own. Now there are certain games where a tutorial I believe is necessary like fighting games or FPS like stuff like that that kind of just gives you a straightforward this is how you do your commands but for something like Don't Starve where it's a survival where it doesn't tell you how to build your resources or how to manage them or what resources are necessary for when like during what season and everything like that and then you get to experience the harshness of each season whether you're prepared or not i think helps create this game even better than what it is because of the lack of tutorial i completely agree mainly because like you said with especially with the seasons which we'll talk about a little bit later but like if most people die on the first day because they don't realize that darkness will kill them so then once you adapt to that, you're able to like, okay, at nighttime I need fires. And then from there you're like, oh no, I'm starving. And then constantly you're learning like, okay, I need to balance food now. So you collect food and then it starts to spoil. So now you're like, I need food management. And then as you go on, eventually you got it down to a science and then a new season hits. And now there's a brand new thing that you have to struggle to overcome. And without this tutorial, it's purely your wit and how you can think of to overcome this. And there's so many ways to overcome, like, the cold or the heat or hunger. It's, there's no one option. I just love that about this, like you were saying. It's just the tutorial makes – it doesn't tell you how to do everything. You have to figure it out. And I really love that. And that's why I kind of mentioned earlier about possible spoilers because, honestly, I don't know crafting recipes off the top of my head. The one good thing I will admit with Don't Starve is it will tell you what ingredients you do need to build it. Unlike like Minecraft where you kind of have to memorize the recipes. This one it will at least tell you like, oh, you need five stone and two logs. But then mm-hmm. you have to remember how to make logs. And all this stuff like the using the interface. But other than that, it's more just learning like what to build first maybe like the build order and like what to prioritize what during what season and i think that just makes it a lot better because as we mentioned earlier about like the food the darkness and everything you have i believe it's three meters you have a health bar a sanity meter and a hunger meter and if you let them go each one kind of has its own different i guess well, not necessarily drawbacks. I think the sanity one technically only has the drawback is if you let that get low, um, some stuff happens. Obviously, you don't want your health bar to go low because if it reaches zero, you die. Hunger bar, you don't want that to go low because it will end up starting to kill you, all this stuff. And one thing that's also unique to this game is if you die in your world, the world is permanently deleted. So it's a permadeath zone. Unless you're playing with people, then you obviously, if you're playing Don't Stop Together, as we kind of mentioned earlier, there are ways to revive. But if all the players die, the world is still destroyed. Yeah, which is a huge feature of the game. There are a few ways to go around this in single player, but you only have like a few options like two or three options and i think most of the time it's a finite resource so if you continuously die you eventually will lose but as you mentioned there are the meter bars the health bar gauge is your vitality it reaches zero the game's over 
It's simple as that. And this world is riddled with monsters and animals that will attack the player without warning. As well as some food that will even hurt you. And just small things here and there that will slowly deplete your health and kill you. So then you also have the hunger bar. Which again is fairly obvious. Is The days go on, the player will become hungrier. And if the bar reaches zero, damage starts to be inflicted on the player until food is consumed or the player has died maintaining this seems simple enough because like you just eat and you're good to go but this world has limited supplies various enemies and different seasons which greatly changes the ability to obtain food not to mention that each food item has a shelf life that counts down to when the food will become rotten and the longer you wait to consume it the less effective the food actually becomes in restoring health hunger and sanity so, in some cases, it can even harm the player, which, again, is one of the countless ways that you can get hurt in this game. And it's just really cool that they implemented the shelf life of the food, because that wasn't originally in the game, and that added a complexity to the game that made it harder. So, I think that was a really great feature, because you originally you could just stockpile food, and you could be set forever. The sanity meter. It's the gauge that me measures your mental state. With a high value, the player will see the world through a normal lens. There's um, numerous things that can affect the player's sanity, and it'll slowly chip away. And as it depletes, once you get below a certain percentage, the world slowly becomes distorted and wavy. And once you get below a certain threshold, like I think it's like 40% of your max or 60% of your max, nightmares start to appear in this world like these shadow creatures that once it becomes low enough they're able to physically harm you and if it's not properly managed this could become fatal because these creatures start to get like kind of strong like they're two different types and one's slow and attacks slow but then there's another one that is just awful and he chases you and he's very fast and it is not fun so do not get there <laughs> <laughs> he will kill you. One but, thing I love about yeah. this game is it. what we're talking about may make it seem kind of hard. And like we said, with the limited supplies, and it really is about trial and error. When I first played it, I thought keeping everything up would be hard. And it was for the first few times. Don't get me wrong. But once you learn, there are numerous different foods that help your sanity you can pick flowers to get your sanity you can make a flower hat that constantly restores your sanity there are so many things that you can do to actually raise your bars as there are ways for them to deplete you just kind of have to learn them on your own and mm -hmm. once you do that it becomes a lot more easy to manage and it's almost at first it's a hassle because you're constantly like trying to find stuff or keep some food, like the berries, the carrots that are easy to find that take a while to spoil, stuff like that. But they don't really give you too much health until you are able to make different foods like the meatballs, the Laffy Taffy, or I don't know. It's not called Laffy Taffy. It's, it's just Taffy. It's just Taffy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I said Laffy Taffy. <laughs> But as you explore the world, it becomes easier to manage your meters. And I think it's just fun because, like, the sanity meter, there's casual people that play it, don't get me wrong. But then 
obviously with every game, there's going to be those kind of like hardcore players. And a lot of the hardcore players actually play with low sanity because they want these shadow monsters. And it just amazes me that like, for me, I try to keep my sanity up at 100% like all the time because Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. But then there's others that will play it straight with the sanity bar like at the lowest. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. And, and like you said, it is hard at first, but the more you play, the more you adapt to this learning curve. And as you adapt to it, it actually gets more fun the longer you play because you learn the nuances of the game, you overcome them, and you're able to enjoy it through a different viewpoint. Because at first, you're like just trying to find ways not to die. But once you're able to manage it, it becomes second nature. And then you're actually able to play the game and explore and find lore. Because you're able to examine objects through the world. And your character will have a little quote about the object. And certain things will actually give you more information about the story behind this world. Just a few things that you're able to to discover. Because this game has huge lore behind it. But it's not obvious. There's only a few clips that actually explain lore to you, and there's they have many videos and like YouTube videos and stuff about each character. But just exploring the world and examining stuff, you're able to look deeper into this. And you don't really get that in the first playthrough. It's once you start to learn the game more is when you're able to see these things. So I thought that was a good thing to add there. Yeah, it's definitely worth looking into. And over the years, obviously since it's been in development, character options have increased and worlds have grown and added more creatures, more monsters, threats, new biomes, and just new worlds entirely, which gives you a much greater variety of strategy depending on like what character you chose. When I first started, I played a lot of Wendy, and one of her things is she has a lighter and a teddy bear. The lighter is exactly what it is. It's a lighter. You can use it to set like trees on fire or light. Uh, you can use it instead of a torch when it becomes dark so you don't get hit by like darkness. So it's considered a light source. And you're also immune to fire damage. So for me, I'm, I feel like it's a good beginner choice. And I like playing as Wendy just because of the whole lighter thing because I like to explore around. And so I'm constantly like leaving home base then you have the teddy bear which if you get lost on sanity you can drop the teddy bear and the shadow monsters will attack the teddy bear instead of you so it's kind of excuse me it's a good beginner character i feel i don't know how i know there's like a tier list of like characters i don't know where wendy really fits but if you kind of knew I would recommend Wendy just because you had the lighter, so you're kind of protected against dark. And if you do happen to get low sanity, you have your teddy bear. Obviously, they have a durability, so you can't just constantly use them. But Wendy's still probably my favorite one. I do like Weber as well, which is this spider humanoid com- combo person. You can befriend spiders, which is fun to do. And then. There's also Wilson, which is the first player you only have. It's your actual only option you can play. He's the vanilla character, 
And the main perk of him is you grow a large beard, which actually helps keep you warm in the winter. So at first it may seem kind of dumb, but I mean, winter is honestly one of the harshest seasons. So mm -hmm. anything that helps you is pretty beneficial. And then as you're playing the game, you gain experience, like actual experience, not just how we've been talking about like, oh, you learned something new. I'm talking about actual like experience points. And it varies depending on how long you survive in the game. And when you have enough XP, you can unlock the new playable characters. And those are how you unlock all the different ones. And like I said, Wendy was my favorite. So I had her unlocked first. And you kind of, you can randomly choose or you can, how we said there's like trailers for them. You can kind of look at the trailers and see which character you feel would be best or beneficial for you. And quick correction, I keep saying Wendy, and Wendy's actually the one with the ghost sister. I meant Willow. Willow's the one with the lighter and the teddy bear. That's the one I like playing. Willow, not Wendy. <laughs> so the character that I like playing is Wickerbottom. I, I do like Willow. I used to main Willow a lot because I loved her fire, but it was pretty OP in the beginning. And then they nerfed her a little bit. They gave her a lighter instead of just the ability to start fires. So I eventually stopped playing her. But her sanity boost around fire is pretty awesome. But Wickerbottom is my main. She is a teacher who has the ability to skip a tier when it comes to crafting. So when you craft, you have a list of things that you're able to craft. And if you want to go up to better items, you kind of need to craft an alchemy machine. Or a science machine and then an alchemy engine to be able to unlock better objects. But Wickerbottom is able to skip a tier. So straight from the beginning, she's able to craft base tier stuff and uh, science machine stuff. And if I create a science machine, she's then able to actually craft alchemy machine stuff. Not very useful late game. It's a good early game perk because then you can craft backpacks right away. You can create spears right away. Very good to get you started in the game. Then she also has these books that she can read that grant um, different abilities that help survival. It's just a really cool thing overall. But the main reason I play her is because she has a huge mental uh, capacity. So she takes almost twice as long to go insane as most characters, which I love about her. But other than that, she's not really much use. But I also um, main Wilson sometimes because his beard is pretty awesome in the winter. It helps you survive. So those are my two mains that I like, and I very, find them very useful, even if they are a little plain. It's funny because, like, Wilson actually gets better, like, for, like, I kind of mentioned, like, the hardcore players. There's a lot of people that actually pick Wilson. But one thing I like about Wickerbottom is I feel, yes, if you're playing single player – your early how you said your early game is better than your late game but i also feel like playing don't start together with friends work bottom is a very essential person and mm -hmm. helps create the base like really quickly and i just love how you mentioned her as like your main too because just kind of like how we discussed in our Mon minecraft podcast you should go check out you are definitely more the base builder while <laughs> I was the explorer, hence why I like Willow, because I don't have to worry about fire. I don't have to worry about if I do have like low sanity instead of filling it up, I have that 
teddy bear to help me. So I like, I definitely like the exploration aspect. And you picked a character based on building. So I just love how it was influenced by Minecraft and we still pick characters based on our play style. I just kind of like how that lined yeah, up. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good comparison because I did not think of that. And it definitely shows that our gaming style is ingrained in us. Like, we can't fight it. It's who we are. Um, they actually have a new character that I tried out yesterday because I just jumped on and started playing. Was it that Dryad person? No, he's really cool looking. I've never played him. You have to actually purchase him, unfortunately. Oh, that's the one you had to buy. I want to... Yeah. He looks... He honestly looks kind of fun, and I... It might... If I play him... He might be my new main if I ever he decide to buy him. Is really cool. Like you can plant for like vegetables and stuff anywhere. You don't need a farm to do it. You can just place them in the dirt and they start growing. Super cool. And then he can heal players. Like he has a huge like sanity boost and health boost for players around him. He seems really OP. I don't. He'll probably get nerfed, but he's a really cool character. Which but, I um, think I would like because. You always build, like, the bee boxes, and I always took care of the farms. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be a nice aspect to try him. Um, the, the character that I've started playing, he's pretty cool. His name's Walter, and he's this little boy scout. And he's not afraid of anything, so his sanity does not deplete for, like, anything. Like, if you're around monsters, if you're near the darkness, uh, it, it doesn't go down, which is really cool. It only goes down if you are hurt. So if you get attacked... Your sanity gets a huge hit, as long as well as your health. And then if your health is not 100%, you have a sanity drain as well. So there's definitely a key point to, to avoid being hit, which you want to do anyway, but also keeping your health at 100, or else your sanity is going to deplete. So, it's kind of like the, the uh, crap, what's his name? The strongman guy. Oh, yeah. Um, he becomes stronger with a full bang. belly, but weaker with mm -hmm. empty belly and it's kind of yeah. like with him they're like oh his sanity is based on his health where the other guy his strength was based on his hunger mm -hmm. and i think it's cool that they play with two different like yeah meters um and then on, on yeah like i actually wolf played wolfgang a lot but then he got nerfed a little bit which wolfgang. it's beneficial beneficial for him because it makes staying strong harder um, with Walter, another cool aspect of him on top of his um, sanity is he comes with a slingshot, which is not very strong. It's about half the damage of a spear, and it's slow. But you have distance, which is really cool. And you also can craft different type of bullets, so they are get stronger. But he's still pretty slow at shooting. But the one thing I do love about him is he comes with a dog. And this dog has a chest on him. So he's basically his own version of Chester. And you can also still find Chester, which is really cool. So you can have two chests following you around all the time. As well as if you feed this dog meat, like rotten meat, regular meat, doesn't matter. If you feed him enough, he will turn into the size of a beefalo. And you're able to ride him. Oh my God, and he's that's fast. Amazing. He's really he fast. seems really strong. Yeah, he is really cool. He might be a little too cool. but I figured I... he would have something to do, since you said he was like a Boy Scout or whatever, something to do with like a backpack, like a stronger backpack. Maybe, you know how the backpack doesn't do mm -hmm. your entire inventory? 
it only does like eight slots, I think. Yeah. Like it, it would basically be a second inventory list. That would be a cool one too. But he gets a portable one, so yeah. Does it die? Cool Can the dog like die? I've never seen anything attack this dog yet. Oh okay. That's so, interesting. Super cool character. I thought I'd just add that in there. Whether and if that you... took up too much time or not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys haven't realized by all the names, yes, they are all start with W. Do they ever mention why they do that? No, they just they just do. The only character that uh, only two characters that don't start with W are non playable characters. Maxwell. Well, I'll talk about him in a second. Maxwell, he's the antagonist, and Charlie who we learn is the darkness that attacks you at night. But Charlie is not playable. Maxwell is playable eventually if you're able if you're able to in single player if you're able to finish the adventure mode part of the, the game. But when but, he's when he's playable, a lot of people online call him Waxwell, so you can differentiate between Maxwell and Waxwell. I think it's also cool though cuz if you think about it how he's like the ruler of the world and if you flip a W upside down, mm-hmm. it becomes an M. Yeah, I feel like that may have been intentional, but I can't say for certain. I feel it is too. And then maybe, now this is just completely guessing, but if you think of the world is called Constant, and then the darkness is called Charlie, because they like to keep their consonants the same. Mm. constant starts with c the darkness that tries to kill you in this world starts with c charlie that's true plus going on into the lore a little bit um i think charlie's main goal is to get the the throne which is what maxwell sits on maxwell kind of runs this throne and gains him control of the constant and it charlie wanting the throne kind of shows like like you said the consonants c and c show like charlie wants the consonant i don't know maybe maybe we're digging too hard into this but it definitely shows some similarities in there and that's a good point i wouldn't put it past them if it ends up being that's the reason why agreed so anyway since we uh stuck on the characters a little little too long let's jump into updates and dlcs and stuff so I actually happened to play this game when it was still in beta version back in 2013. Uh, my friend Donovan actually introduced me to it. He told me, like, when I was hanging out with him, he's like, hey, check out this game. And this is when it was actually only available through the Google Chrome Web Store. It was an experimental phase that allowed them really to distribute it. That was, I said distribute weird. It made them easily distribute it to both PC and Mac easily. So that's why it was on the web store. But um, the game was really different back then in terms of gameplay and objective. Uh, it still had its core features like the day and night cycle, darkness, crafting, food, and um, resource collecting. But the map was insanely small compared to what it is today. And obtaining item recipes were very different. Because nowadays if you have the resource and you have the machine that'll let you um, obtain that level of recipe you're able to craft it right away but back then when you would collect resources you would put it into the machine like a, a science machine and it'd give you points 
and these points you could then use to unlock recipes. So it's a little different. And then on top of that, those points traveled over to the next game, I believe. So you were able to keep your points and your recipes. So eventually, if you just unlocked everything, you you had every single recipe for your gameplay. But since this was a beta, it was, wasn't very filled out. There wasn't a lot to do. But there was so much potential involved. And Clay always does betas for whenever they're releasing stuff for Don't Starve. So they get the player feedback. And this allows them to learn what the players want, what the players don't want. And this has evolved into the game we know today. Because there was so much stuff they took out and they nerfed. And they were able to just keep evolving and keep growing. And that's the whole reason we got a multiplayer for this game. Is because they listened to the community and kept kept updating. So eventually they dropped Don't Starve from the web store due to the scope of the game expanding. And eventually, well, and the game couldn't be played offline because of the web store. And then eventually the browser could no longer support the game because it just got so big and in-depth. So they had to pull it. And now the game supports mods because it's on Steam. And this is actually a huge part of the community, which I don't play any mods, but a lot of people do. And it adds a lot of new little things because there are certain things about the game that people don't like. So they put in some mods here and there to kind of adjust to that. So, yeah. I've never really played with mods either, but I do know that there's a lot of people that play steam game that like the access to mods mm -hmm. so like one I mod i could see that. definitely yeah. get behind um one mod i could actually get behind is the grid locking mod for this game because there's no grid or anything so when you play something it just can be placed anywhere but this one you can actually make your base pretty by locking stuff down into the grid which would be really cool hmm. that seems like it would be helpful i remember how you mentioned like it was a browser game. I didn't play it too much, but I do remember playing it a few times while it was a browser game. But I mostly played it once it got onto PS4 when it was kind of Don't Starve Together, mm -hmm. not just Don't Starve. But it was still it was still fun even when it was a browser game because I remember I forget when I was like going on it or like when it. I don't know when it like officially stopped out of the browser store because this one time I like tried to look it up and I was like wait why can't I play it online and then I kind of just kind of forgot about it for a while <laughs> and then it came back on and it's one of those games where I will play probably for like a month and then take a break and then come back to it it's definitely mm -hmm. one of those games that I always come back to it I may not play it as much as I used to when I first got into a game. I feel like that's with a lot of games anyways. But it definitely has a lot of replay value to go through. And mm -hmm. I remember one of the reasons reading that Willow, for instance, got hugely nerfed. Where you said before you could just stand still and that's how the fire started. I remember online when you'd go to like a PvP world, they would... Some people would bring people in like a forest, like run away from people in a forest and then use Willow to light a fire. And then obviously 
you are immune to fire damage. The other person's not, unless they were will do. And you would trap them in a forest fire and kill them. And, like, a lot of people didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of assholes online, too. <laughs> I don't I don't play with them. <laughs> That's true. There's still... You can find some good servers that are, like, hey, we're mm-hmm. just trying to, like, build a base. Or our challenge is to get to day 200 or something like that. Yeah. And... When the game made an announcement on January 15th, 2014, Don't Starve Reign of Giants was the first paid DLC. And this released the four seasons that... This is when it actually released the four seasons, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is when it released the four seasons as we kind of know it as today. The autumn, winter, spring, and summer. And with each one there came a sort of boss monster. And Autumn, it showed this badger-like creature. Winter, it showed a spider-like one along with a large deer. And Spring, it showed a just a giant leg with an, a giant... Yeah, a giant leg with an egg. Sorry, leg and egg kind of messed me up yeah, there. Yeah, it was a giant leg and an egg. Because <laughs> they were two separate things. And then finally in summer, it released, it showed some fire-breathing bug and a Viking helmet. And the expansion was available early access on April 2nd and was officially released on April 30th. And it obviously, with not just adding the monsters, it created new items, characters, enemies, biomes, you name it. And this was probably one of the biggest updates or maybe not necessarily the biggest, but one of the most important updates with it, because now instead of just going through day and night cycle, now you had different strategies you had to employ with the different seasons. So in winter, you had to worry about freezing, had to worry about keeping warm and even food sources, because there's a lot of food sources that didn't happen during the winter. And then Conversely, in summer, you had to deal with the heat and how to stay cool and your base just randomly starting to catch on fire. I have PTSD on that one. Like, my God. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't, if you're playing this without, or if you're listening to this without playing it, you're lucky you heard this here first. Because if you went into summer and you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to stay, I have an endothermic fire pit i'm going to stay near my base i'm going to be all fine until shit just starts going to the fan and just randomly catching on fire then you have spring which you had to more keep track of your sanity level just because it always rained because if you got too wet it would cause your sanity to deplete not to mention there would every now and then it would rain frogs and that was oh, a bitch to deal with. I hate the frogs. The frogs weren't hard to dodge, but when they are raining frogs and mm-hmm. there's like 50 of them by your face, whether you can dodge them or not, it becomes annoying, especially because if they hit you, you dropped an item. So if you were holding your spear to attack them and you were attacking one and another came behind you and hit you and you lost your spear then it became a much bigger hassle. Yeah, not to mention when you hit one frog, they all come to team up on you. So you could have 50 frogs coming to attack you. It's some 
just like leave me alone. Yeah, the the frogs weren't uh, very enjoyable. It was easy when they were alone, but they were never alone. Mm-hmm. Never. <laughs> and then you finally had your break in autumn, which is kind of what the vanilla game was. Autumn, you kind of were relieved from all the trouble, and you could finally recover after everything. So autumn was typically your starting season, I believe, and mm-hmm. you just were like, all right, let's rebuild our base. And yep. with this, as we mentioned, there were obviously new characters and all this stuff added, not just like the seasons, but I think it was a nice little tidbit because just this update made the game more challenging with the different seasons, with the different bosses that come at the end of each season that were trying to wreck your base and everything you built up at that point. And obviously we had some new characters. Do you know which characters were actually... Yeah, these ones were Weber, the spider character, and Wigfrid, which is the girl who's a Viking. Or actually, she's not a Viking. The lore is she is a, th- a theater actress, and she plays a Viking, but she is stays in character all the time. <laughs> That's one dedicated actress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then also with this, after the major update... On May 7th, 2014, Clay, not Cly, Clay, <laughs> announced a free multiplayer expansion, Don't Starve Together, would be coming, and it was on early access December 15th of the same year, and it can support up to six players at any time. The host can decide, like, if they want it to be a private server, if they want to set a passcode, all that fun jazz. Basically, if you played any multiplayer game with a server, you kind of know how it was. It was officially released, and yeah, the game was officially released on April 21st of 2016. And this is kind of not as what we know the game of today, because there were a few more DLCs, but this is pretty much the core the main portion of the game was finally released and this is where don't stop together come out so you can play with friends and it was just nice to finally be able to play with friends and not be all lonely by yourself <laughs> yeah this was this is probably the the game i played the most cuz i played don't starve single player a lot but once this came out like you and i played a lot and then we had donovan play with us and then we got Taylor to play, and it just it makes it more collaborative, and it's still really hard game with um, with multiple people because they actually tweaked the game's core a little bit to make it enemies have more health and wolves spawn more or hounds spawn more often and more of them, and it just makes it a little more difficult so that when you had multiple people balanced out well but i also I, feel like yeah. we just want the greatest at the game either but well, yeah. <laughs> that's a different topic <laughs> yeah that's a that's a whole nother ballpark right there like the whole nother uh scenario i don't know but uh yeah we we're not the best players at this game there's definitely things we could be more efficient about we talked about don't start together we talked about the base game and reign of giants but then there was another dlc 
called Don't Starve Shipwrecked, which was released on March 31st of 2016. This expansion is almost its own separate game, because I know in Reign of Giants, they now have an ability to travel to a shipwrecked world. Don't know how to do it, I've never done it, but you can play shipwrecked as its own separate portion of the game. This expansion includes new characters, biomes, creatures, and new seasonal effects. So this it gives you a brand new map that gives you a completely different experience of the base game of Don't Starve. You spawn on an island that's pretty small, has different resources, and from there you're actually able to create boats and go to different islands. And there's so many different biomes and horrors that await you. It's definitely a brand new learning curve that you have to deal with for this game. It's really good. I would highly recommend it. I still am more focused on Reign of Giants because it's what I'm used to, but I do enjoy coming over to Shipwrecked every so often and playing a little bit because it's very fun. On top of that, they released Don't Starve Pocket Edition, which is your basic Don't Starve Reign of Giants, but ported for the phone, so it's not anything really to talk about, to write home about. Uh, it's just the game all over again. Then they had Don't Starve Hamlet, which is a DLC that adds lore to the pigmen and how they were created. I have not played this DLC yet either, mainly because I just kind of took a break from Don't Starve for a while while Hamlet was released. But they have a brand new set of like... It seems like every time they make a DLC, they just add a whole new set of of creatures and biomes and everything. So this has a whole brand new set of stuff, and it's very interesting, and I really want to play it. I've seen a little bit of lore about it, but... That's just one of the things there. We should do a refresher here soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. We're running out of time here. We're not actually going to be able to talk about lore all that much. Just We're going to touch the surface just briefly. But we don't have a lot of time. So if you guys want us to do more, another episode just solely on lore or different topics of Don't Starve, let us know and we will be happy to do that. Or if you would like to literally just listen to our experiences because i do have a couple videos on them mm, but yeah, you do. it but there's also there's a lot we that go into our games that one for isn't in the video because it, they're only like 10 15 minutes long and we have like numerous hours on it and we could honestly easily fill with different stories experiences because there's just so much that can happen in a yeah. game that you either don't expect or like the first time we met the deer clops which is the like winter boss the first time we like defeated him or the first time we decide to like do different strategies there's just a lot of things to discuss with this game that we just couldn't fit in this one episode so we can right. easily do one where we talk about the lore or straight just one talking about our experience in this game because mm -hmm. there's a lot of funny moments there's a lot of sad moments there's <laughs> just a whole lot that goes on in this game that you don't really notice yeah like we didn't even talk about any of the cave system stuff because the cave system is just a whole new expansion of the map that's in caves and you can go even deeper into the caves and i've never gone deeper because i am awful at the game apparently uh <laughs> then there's the adventure portion of the map that we've never talked about so there's a lot more we could go on there's wormholes that we didn't even mention mm -hmm. 
which sounds cool, but it's literally kind of like a warp pipe from like Mario it brings you to one end of the map and you lose some sanity. But there's like other things like we mentioned Chester. We there's just so much more other mm-hmm. things like there's Chester, there's Glomp, Glomer, Glomer, that's what it is, Glomer. There's like stuff that happens during full moons. There's just there's merms. Like we, there's so much more to talk about, like the biomes and everything. But there's just so much to talk mm-hmm. about because it is kind of open world, even though it's there is a finite map. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; it's not like infinitely generated like Minecraft. But there's just so much more to like explore and do that it's hard to be able to talk about it, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm just. I'm just going to briefly skim the synopsis of what the lore goes into to see if that's something you guys might want to listen to. But basically, on the surface of the game, it's like a straightforward game that you must survive, like a world you must survive in. But the vast lore behind it and behind each character, because they all have their own different type of lore, uh, is massive. There's lore of about who they were before they were brought to the constant. Because most of them were tricked or accidentally arrived here. So, like, Wilson, he's a scientist, and he was creating just a machine. And all of a sudden, his radio starts talking to him and tells him what he has to do to fulfill his little experiment. So he listens to this radio, and he does it. And he's about to flip this switch on this machine he created, and... He's hesitant, and the radio's like, do it! Like, you have to flip this switch. So then finally he doesn't. As soon as he flips the switch, these hands come out and pull him down. And next thing you know, he's waking up in the constant. So Maxwell tricked a lot of these people into coming here. And there's a bunch of more fine details within the constant itself. There's little hints that Maxwell created everything within this world, besides for a very few amount of things. So it, it's really surprising how deep they went into this when none of this actually adds too much value to the gameplay. So it's kind of cool. I, I do like it when there's more hidden stories behind games than you actually believe at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, also like with Maxwell, you have the... Um, we talked about Charlie, who is the, the darkness... And if you play as Maxwell or Waxwell, you actually he has quotes that makes it seem like he knows Charlie in a on a personal level, which is kind of interesting. So there's more in th- that aspect. There's just so much that you could go into. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And to sort of starting to wrap this up. Yep. Now the question of the day. Now, this one you may have to, it's kind of hard to do right after just hearing this podcast, but it's also kind of informing you, kind of nudging you to play it because we both highly recommend it. But I want to know you guys' opinion on who do you think would be best for single player? And then also, what kind of team comp do you think would be best for multiplayer? Obviously, you can have up to six people. I would say limited to, if you can think of six people, because... How many characters do you know are currently there? I think there's t- 10 to 12. I was about to say, I feel no. like there was about 10. I mean, they added the new characters. I was going to say, they added three new characters that are pay-to-play characters. So maybe maybe close to like 12 to 
to 14-ish, somewhere in there. So if you guys can think of a team comp of six, go for it. But I say try to think of something maybe four to six because you may not always have a full team of people to play. So I say see if you can think of a team or maybe even three to six because I know there's a lot of times, I don't know why three is like the magic number, but there's a lot of games where multiplayer is like three. Typically, a lot of people can get three people. (laughs) I don't know why, but hey. I'm trying to think who would I want for my team comp. Judging yeah, by I don't I don't know who I'd want for mine. It'd be um I think Wicker Bottom would always be nice. Yeah, especially she's for a like multiplayer. Great for start game. It's she's is, really good for that. Is that Boy Scout uh free to play? Yes, he is. I would say him. I know he's a little OP, but like if you have Wicker Bottom for base building, you would have him. What was his name? Uh, Walter. Walter. Walter for almost exploration because of he'll have all the his chest that follows him. Plus, he will be able to ride. So he would be good for exploration. Wicker Bottom for base building. I feel like I would choose Wingrid. Wing Wingrid. Wigfred. Rigfred. Sorry. Over uh, Wolfgang for combat purposes. Mm-hmm. I would agree. She makes really strong spears and helmets. Uh, yeah. I, I do w- like Weber, but the there's just a downside of using him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the spiders. Uh, I do uh, like him, but I don't know if I would put him on like my best team comp. Mm-hmm. I'm trying I to think. Th- I think I would go Wickerbottom. Maxwell, because Maxwell's great for resource collection. And maybe like Walter. I think those would be a good good matchup. I feel Maxwell definitely um I think I would go Wickerbottom. Walter. Actually I'm gonna go with uh what's his the robot. W... Uh, WX78. Yeah. Just because I feel late game, his late game potential is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With... And then I think I would go with Wigfred just for the spears and the armor. So kind of like two early game and then two late game people to help get your base started and everything. Right. Well, single player, mm, honestly, I'd, I would probably just go with the person I'm most familiar with, Willow, just because I like the lighter for the darkness. I can explore if I happen to be out, or even in winter, I can quickly light something on fire to warm me up. Teddy Bear, if I do get too much in trouble with sanity, I think Willow would be good single player. Yeah, mine would probably just be Wilson because I like his beard buff. But that's just me. <laughs> If you shave it, do you get anything from it, or does it uh, just... You get beard hairs, which can be used as um, uh, meat effigies, which bring you back to life. Oh, damn. He but they also has... they also take your health, um, max health, down a notch, and you regain that health when you come back to life. Huh. That's actually not a pretty bad... Yeah. Pretty bad perk. So, but yeah. So, that was the question of the day. Now I'm going to end us off with some facts. So, Don't Starve Shipwreck 
was actually co-developed by an indie company called Cappy Games or Capybara Games. And so they kind of helped Clay create it. Willow used to have a different ability, as we briefly mentioned. So instead of carrying a lighter, she would actually just light fires at her feet when she was in complete darkness. And she also was immune to fire at this time, which now I think she only takes half half health when uh, getting burned. So she was nerfed a little bit. Uh, and then finally, Weber is that spider character we talked about. He is a child that was actually consumed by a spider, which can be seen when Weber is struck by lightning. You can briefly see the x-ray of his body, and you can see a skull of a spider and the skeleton of a child in there. And he also talks with plural pronouns, like we, us, and our, which suggests that he's talking with someone else. So that implies that he is not alone in there. So those are some fun little facts that I wanted to include in this. And one side note, if you do play as Weber, you friend some spiders. If you do happen to die, these spiders will turn on your friends, so just be warned. <laughs> yeah, it can really screw you over. I'm not talking from personal experience or anything, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, Bobby's a dick. No, my spiders were dicks. Ah. So yeah, uh, that's it for today. And uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, where we will be posting updates on our episodes, as well as random facts about the games that we cover. And if you have any recommendations or questions, feel free to email us at weavespawn at gmail.com. And that will be all for us today. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weave spawn.